I am your host, Canary T. Robot. Uh, we have um, a new type of guest, actually, uh, an editor. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm uh, Alex Rothhauser. I edit uh, TV shows. <laughs> yeah, great to be here. <laughs> uh, what TV shows have you edited? Um, I have done a, a few different um, shows one cooking show called flip my food that aired um in sort of select parts of the u.s market and then um a sort of crime uh retelling drama type reenactment show called um uh corrupt crimes and then actually a couple of couple of different crime drama type shows uh and then most recently working on a sort of comedy uh review type show i guess basically showcasing dumb people and the videos that they take and post online <laughs> chances are you probably watch one of those crime shows because um about like a couple years ago um before i actually started working full-time uh i was like addicted to those oh yeah they're great they're it's a little tough to work on every single day and see all of the actual crime scene photos and just murder, murder, murder all the time. But I love watching them. They're, they're fun. So, uh, how'd you get started in editing? Like, um, uh, well, first off, uh, uh, did you edit as a kid or for fun or? Oh, we're going way back. Yeah, um, let's go way back. <laughs> I actually, this is one of my favorite stories to tell. I got, interested in tv in high school because my freshman year they ran out of room in gym class so they said hey you can take one of these other electives one of them was tv production i had like the greatest teacher that has ever existed and it just sparked um what's now an eight plus year career nice so i yeah i got interested in it in high school i loved the the idea of um, sort of fixing the actor's mistakes, as <laughs> like mean spirited as that sounds, I just love the the concept of of sort of like, okay, here's you did it, you you know, you did what you're gonna do. Now let me come in and kind of clean that up and make it better. Mm-hmm. Now, um, did you go to school for it or? Yeah. Um, did, I mean, high school was sort of just kind of figuring out what part of the industry I was interested in. And by the end of high school, I'd, I'd sort of settled on editing and post-production. Um, so went to college at Ithaca College in upstate New York um, with the, a television radio bachelor's of science. Um, <clears throat> so did four years of of. TV and film video production stuff there and just sort of focused my own time to try to stick with post-production and, and the editing portions 
of the classes more than anything else. What made you decide to go into post-production in high school? Um, it, I like, there's, there's a great energy in, in production and everybody running around and, and being on shoots and acting and camera work and direction and all that. It's kind of too fast paced for me. Um, I like to take things uh, like a, a little more chill environment, which post-production definitely has its not chill moments, but in general, it's, you know, allowed me to sort of set my own schedule. I can work as long, you know, as long as it's hitting the deadlines and I'm doing a good job, I can kind of make it work for how, you know, what works best for me. So I can, you know, I can get up and take a little break every, every hour or two and, you know, you know, work an extra couple hours every night if I, if I want to. (laughs) And if I don't, then I'm, you know, I'm out of there. So nice. Uh, when did you uh, first start working as an editor? Um, let's see. I graduated college and then came right out here. Um, and at that point, I, I had spent my last semester interning in LA. Um, <clears throat> so when I got out, I still knew a f- enough people to sort of start. Uh, get my foot in the door and, you know, see where, where those connections led. So, uh, someone that I had interned for actually got me a job. Um, I'm trying to think, actually that took about a year to get in at the company that I've, that I've been with for a while. So about a year out of college, I got in, um, with the small company that primarily did actually, um, uh, TV promos, short form, like 30 second, uh, advertisements <clears throat> and shifted over to full 20 minute episodes. Um, so I started working on promos probably three years after college. Um, and then I've just kind of been at it since then. Okay. Um, where, uh, where did you intern for? Um, I interned at a couple different places. Um, one was a company called Herzog and Company. Um, they do a lot of, yeah, they do um, DVD bonus features primarily. They also have other departments, but that's the one that I was in. Um, <clears throat> simultaneously, I was also sort of, I mean, it was an internship, but it was for an individual um, who I'd actually met through a guy that I worked for in high school and early college. Um, doing film and TV stuff back home. Um, so it's kind of, he, and he's the one that eventually got, got me the job that led me to where I am now. So it really is, I mean, they say a lot in this industry, it's kind of about who you know and networking. And I've really found that to be the case. It's just, you kind of have to meet people and make friends and the rest of it will, uh, follow. Um, is that, uh, what did you do during the year when you were out here? Like, uh, did you immediately move to California after you graduated? Yeah, I, I graduated and I basically knew if I didn't come out right then that I would never make it out here. Um, <clears throat> so I moved out. My parents helped me a lot in the beginning. Um, didn't have a job. Um, I'm trying to think what I did. I, I think 
the first job or gig that I got was an assist was as an assistant editor on a, a movie called Video Girl that actually ended up um, airing on BET, which was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I was working on that movie, and then from there. Uh, the editor on that asked me if I was interested in working on another film that had already been edited, but they, <clears throat> they wanted someone to re-edit it. Um, and I'm like straight out of college. It was, you know, maybe like four or five months into living out here. And I'm like, yeah, I know everything. Of course I could do that. And I worked on it for maybe three weeks before I realized, like, I don't know anything about what I'm doing. <laughs> so, uh, had to had to drop that one, which was not great. Um, but you know, it, it got to a point basically where I realized I I wasn't adding anything to it, and I th- hope that he realized I wasn't adding anything to it, and it was really just wasting both of our times. So uh, yeah, it, it was. I kind of had sort of spotty work here and there for the first year until um, until that that job through my internship uh, came about. Okay. And uh, where did you find these uh, jobs? I know it was a lot through networking, uh, but did you apply through... Because a lot of people say, oh, uh, in order to work here, you have to apply first. Right. Um, I Let's see. the, The film that I worked on was a connection actually through Ithaca College, um, they have a, a pretty good network. I mean, there's so many people out here that have graduated from there. Um, so they do a good job of, of alumni will contact the school and say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, someone to work on this, that, or the other thing. And they'll pass it along to students or recent graduates. Um, so that's how I got that one. Um, my second job was logging for logging and transcription for uh, the company Magical Elves. They do a lot of reality TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually, one of my, I have a, a bunch of friends who have kind of bounced around the reality TV world. And one of them recommended that place and I think gave me someone's name. But I want to say the the involvement for them ended there. So I just basically called this guy and said, Hey, you know, you know, so-and-so said I should give you a call about, you know, if you have any work, I'd really love to work there. And, um, I think that one took the first time I called, they, they didn't have anything, but then like a month later or something, um, the guy gave me a call back and said, Hey, we actually, we do have an opening now. Um, so it's kind of been, um, I don't think I've actually like applied to any of the jobs that I've gotten. I've definitely applied to a lot of jobs that I didn't get. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's really a, a lot of word of mouth. And I feel like the, the common theme is just be friendly make you know make yourself wanted because there's so many other people trying to do the same thing you have to be the one that people want to work with 
Yeah, I've noticed that myself um, when looking for jobs, and it, it amazes me that a lot of people that I've spoken to, it's like, oh, I knew this person, uh, or uh, I just met with this person, and it is it is actually a lot of networking. So yeah, well, and especially with, um, with with these creative jobs, there's so many personalities that you have to deal with, mm-hmm. and there's so much, you know, some of it is. A very at least like with the shows that I've been working on, there's a very fast turnaround on them. <clears throat> so you need someone who not only can do a good job but can do a good job really quickly, um, and and kind of just have the mentality of like, okay, I'm just gonna get it done. And it's it's actually really the longer I'm out here, the more hesitant I am to recommend people, or not hesitant, but I'm very careful with with whose name I I put out where because I want to make sure because it's I mean it's their name on the line but it is also my name um, you know I don't want to make bad recommendations um, because that's not really helping anybody. Absolutely, and, the, and that is the tricky part because there's people who are like, oh, can you recommend me? It's like I don't know how. Yeah. Good people. I, I, yeah, I actually won't. I have a lot of friends who are in the industry and who have exper- and I, that I know have experience, but I don't usually recommend people unless I've worked with them directly. Mm-hmm. And even then, I'm very like, okay, well, here's the capacity that I worked with them in. I'm not sure necessarily if it's going to work exactly or how that will apply to your company, but they're worth talking to. I think they're really good at what they do or, you know, whatever. Um, what kind of systems do you work with? Um, <clears throat> let's see. What don't I work with? <laughs> or okay, uh, what, did, what did you start it off, start off working with? I then? started, yeah, in high school, um, and college, actually, we were taught on app on, um, final cut. Um, I think in both cases, just because it was more accessible um, for, you know, to, to get a lot of computers running the system, it was just a lot more accessible at the time. Um, <clears throat> when I, so that was the, that's what I used on the film that I assistant edited. Um, once I got at my current company, um, they're only on Avid. So thankfully, in in that company, I started off sort of as an office PA, um, very kind of quickly moved up to assistant editor and, and had the luxury of time to be able to explore this new software. Um, but I sort of over the course of a year or so, got familiar working with Avid as well as Final Cut because I would do my own projects on Final Cut. Um, and that was Final Cut 7. And then they shot themselves in the foot with Final Cut X or Final Cut 10. Um, so I primarily switched over to only Avid. Um, and then most recently, I've been trying to actively learn Premiere because I think that, at this point, seems to be the the replacement for Final Cut 7. Now, um, if you learn how to use Final Cut, is it easy to uh, use Avid or Premiere? 
Um, it's a really good question. <laughs> there are a lot of similarities between the three of them. They're all definitely highly capable systems. Um, and I think the the biggest issue with final with the Final Cut 10 release was that they really dumbed it down to make it a lot more user friendly. But they lost a lot of the advanced features that the professional, uh, you know, workflow needs. So, in that sense, yes, there is a lot that that translates over. At the same time, the difference between the three programs, and really between Avid and Final Cut, is just the way it, it's laid out, I guess, and then the way that it handles some things is very different. Um, so it's if you're not a very technical person, it can be pretty difficult to switch over. But um, I think at this point, because there, there, there was a time when Avid was really like, if you're a professional, you use Avid. If you're an indie filmmaker or a student, you're on Final Cut. Um, <clears throat> and I think at this point, the industry is just so focused on like, okay, I need someone to do everything and anything that you kind of have to know all of all of the programs to be able to get consistent work. Um, so what a lot of editors will do is just change. Uh, thankfully, all the programs are pretty customizable as far as what keystrokes um, will accomplish different things. So you can kind of figure out a medium where even though... The programs are pretty different. You can customize your keyboard so that you can jump back and forth between them pretty easily. Yeah, uh, actually, when I went to film school, I actually learned on Avid. I didn't. I, I still have not learned how to use Final Cut. Oh, really? Yeah. So I find well, it funny when um, there was a point when I was looking for jobs in the film industry, and I was they all of them were saying like, "Oh, you got no Final Cut or Avid." I'm like. <laughs> I don't know if I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, I missed that program. I know a lot of people really hated it, um, because it. Re I mean, Avid is just such a an industry workhorse, and they've been around forever. Um, so f in you know in that sense, Final Cut definitely had its flaws, but um, by the end, I think it was uh, it was relatively stable. And if they just had kept supporting it, <laughs> I would stick with that forever. But now, of course, I've been working with Avid um, for a couple years, and now I'm all about Avid. But uh, Now, what kind of personality would you suggest for someone to, to have or uh, traits that they should have in order to be a successful editor? Oh, boy. Personality. Um... I think, I mean, my personal philosophy, and this is kind of in in my industry as well as in life, is just, like, be friendly and helpful and nice. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that will get you pretty far just being personable. Again, being able to work with different types of personalities because there's so many people in this industry that have big egos. Um, and if you can, you know, if you can do your job without making anybody angry, like 
that's a miracle. <laughs> um, so in that sense, you know, be nice, be friendly, be helpful. At the same time, there are so many ways that intentionally or unintentionally um, employers are sort of working against you. And you kind of do have to advocate for yourself, um, which has been a weird thing for me because I don't personally, I don't feel like I stick up for myself as much as I should be. Um, and it's been an exercise to kind of exert the power that I do have because a lot of the time you, I think, have more leverage than than you think you do. Um and to be able to push, you know, know what to push back on, I guess, and how to do it in a way that doesn't get you fired or not rehired, um, but also make sure that you're protecting your own interests as far as being paid fairly or not overworked, things like that. Um, you kind of do have to be assertive. Yeah, that was one of the tough things when going through the entertainment industry was they be it's like, yes, we would love to hire you, but we're only paying you eight dollars an hour. Right. Or something. And that's that's actually one of the really nice things about having gone to school for it is I have so many classmates that are around here that I can go to as resources and so many of them I look up to for being able to, in situations like you just mentioned, say, well, sorry, I can't do it. That's not, and I mean, just like seeing them value themselves makes it, makes me feel like, oh, I can do that too. Cause you know, if you say that, I mean, again, you kind of have to pick and choose and understand your value and then the value of a project that might be on your, on your plate. Um, but if you undervalue yourself too much, you're never you're you're going to be taking those, you know, minimum wage jobs that really you could be getting triple, quadruple the the pay for. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any goals uh, for what you want to do with editing eventually? Um, <clears throat> I've actually been in the last few years trying to shift into color correction and finishing. Um, uh, can you explain what that is? Yeah, it's, um, so basically, uh, taking the, the, you know, they shoot the footage on set, it gets edited at that point. Once, once they're happy with the story and, and the shots that are in the final product, it goes to audio to get mixed. Um, and it goes to color to get color correction, color corrected, um, which will basically, makes it, you know, some shots might be underexposed, this one is too yellow, um, so it's sort of balancing all of the shots out, all of the different cameras that get used, um, you know, over the course of 40 days that they're shooting, well, that might be too long, uh, however long the production is, you know, there's different, uh, Sometimes it's sunny out, sometimes it's cloudy, but they're shooting for the same scene. So there's things that, that kind of change on set. And with color correction and finishing, um, kind of get a chance to balance that all out and make it look more seamless. Um, that said, in the past 10, 15 years, there's really been a big push to um, do some pretty heavy 
uh, what's called color grading because it's really more than correction. Um, and that's sort of giving the film a visual style beyond what you can accomplish in a, in camera. Um, so like great examples of that would be pretty much any big blockbuster movie um, is going to have like a, a distinct visual look to it. That's all color grading. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been sort of shifting to. I like, I, I prefer that better. I love color. Um, I think it just sort of that lends itself or my skill set lends itself to that area more so than editing. And I do enjoy editing. Um, but it oftentimes feels like a challenge and not, not the type of challenge that I always want to do. <laughs> but this sounds like a branch off of editing that actually, which, which is great to hear that there's actually more opportunities than just going scene by scene, that there is other ways to other things you can do in post-production. Yeah. It, it's actually one of the most interesting things. And, and I feel like everybody sort of fights with this is you have the idea especially, you know, in film school of like, I'm going to be a director, I'm going to be an editor. And there's so many areas of that, that, that if you can kind of open your mind to it, you know, will work better for the individual. Um, the people that assist and edit you know, assistant editor is sort of implicitly like lesser than an editor. Um, but to be honest, like it's just a, it's a completely different job. Um, the people that assistant edit on Steven Spielberg movies have been doing that for 20 years, 30 years. Like they, that's, they love to do it. They know how to do it. They've learned, they've, they've practiced, they've grown in that, in those areas and sort of finding, beyond that that big heading of I'm an editor or I'm a director or, you know, whatever that big kind of simplified thought is, you know, finding the the detail within that that works for you is um has been a, a fun process for me. That's really cool. Um we're nearing the end, so um do you have any last minute advice to any listeners who are interested in going into post production? Um you just gonna have to stick with it, meet people, which was the most terrifying thing. I get yeah. I guess in college, you know, because people have been saying since before college, like, oh, it's all about networking, you really gotta network. And that was terrifying to me because I don't feel like I'm a very social person. Um, you know, I don't like big crowds, all that stuff. And that made it seem very impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, kind of just sort of keep at it. Like worst case scenario, you're that awkward guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> best case scenario, you make a connection and there are so many people to connect with, um, and it really sort of is an industry of people pulling each other along. Um, and, you know, it. I, I love knowing other editors that if a project comes up that I'm not available for or, um, you know, I feel like is beyond my skill set or just doesn't mesh with me for some reason, I love knowing people 
that I can recommend. And I love being able to, you know, help on both sides, get someone a job and, and also be able to help fill a position. Um, and you know, you can't do that if you don't make friends. So <laughs> make friends with your coworkers cause you never know where they're going to end up. Perfect. Um, it, would you, is there any way, um, listeners can find you or do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I kind of just keep to myself, do my job. <laughs> um, if Yeah, I honestly, I don't even know where the shows that I edit air. I know it's not in L.A. <laughs> I think <laughs> one of the cookie shows aired in, like, San Francisco or something. But um, I'll plug this podcast. Thank you. That's keep sweet. listening, everyone. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.